Up next is Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Pete's Ponderings is a selection of Pete's candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis, taken from his show, Afternoons. Listen to the live broadcast of Peter Williams' Afternoon Show at 1pm, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays, right here on RCR, Reality Check Radio. You know, there's been one glaringly unspoken fact about this alleged racism in the football match in Austria yesterday. The player who allegedly made the racist comment was black. The player on the receiving end, while half Samoan, would most likely be described as as white by the Qatari player. Now, if the complaint had ended up on the desk of Meng Foon, it would probably not be responded to. Because, you see, in his eyes, people with black and brown skin can only be the victims of racism and not the perpetrators of it. The entire premise of the FIFA campaign against racism is that black players should not be abused. That's why the black Brazilian star of Real Madrid, Vinicius Jr., was wheeled out by the FIFA boss Gianni Infantino only five days ago to front this zero-tolerance-to-racism campaign. Infantino said matches should be stopped when racist incidents happen. That was all designed to stop abuse of black players by white players, white opposition players and white fans. So how great is the irony when the first match that actually is stopped is one where the alleged abuse comes from a black player to a half-white player. FIFA will now be brought into this incident to decide on further action. Will they be true in their pledge to stop racism of all kinds? Or will they take the Meng Foon line that racism only goes one way? I tell you what, if they want to keep their credibility, they better act against Yusuf Abdurasag and the Qatar Football Federation and not against Michael Boxall and Football New Zealand. So we're going to have an inquiry into banking, in particular the profits they make and the competition they have. Surely the most obvious question is this. If there are 16 retail banks in New Zealand, how come four of them have 85% of the market? Well, the answer is pretty obvious. New Zealanders prefer banks with sound and solid assets and banks that are profitable. How come the likes of Kiwi Bank, TSB, SBS, Heartland and Cooperative Bank can't make a market share inroad into the big four. After all, it's not that hard to change banks. And these days, in my experience of having done it a few times in recent years, the banks do most of the work for you. But now I'm back with one of the big four and I'm mostly happy with them. I do get frustrated at their monthly account fee on our company account, but it does add up to, what, $85 a year, $1.50 a week, so I guess I can cope with that. The government only has itself to blame for the inability of Kiwi Bank, though, to crack the big time. If the government, and this includes the previous National Party-led one too, had had the courage to float 49% of Kiwi Bank on the stock exchange, it would have had a decent capital base now to push on and grow. Sure, ACC and the Superfund owned a fair chunk of Kiwi Bank for a while, but now it's back being 100% government-owned, and I can tell you this for free, it will not grow, it will not threaten the big four while Grant Robertson is the shareholding minister. And anyway, any bank that sponsors an award won by the trans activist and purveyor of hate, Shanil Lal, will never, ever have an account owned by me. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, 
Reality Chick Radio. I was just thinking last night, though, I really must stop watching the 6pm news. I refuse to watch TV One these days uh, for personal reasons. Uh, after all, they fired me for no reason apart from being too old. Uh, so I've got a snitcher against them. I don't mind admitting that. So I usually suffer News Hub because it's the only other option. And I actually think Mike McRoberts is a good presenter. But News Hub are really testing my patience these days with their consistent Christopher Luxon bashing. Last night, it was because the National Party leader's wife had bought a Tesla and had claimed the clean car rebate. Apparently, that's hypocritical because uh, Luxon has consistently criticised this scheme. Well, you would, wouldn't you? Because it's a stupid and unfair scheme. But when the government is handing out money, you might as well line up to get some. I do every second Monday when the super is paid and I get this winter heating supplement too. And I've taken a clean car discount as well. Believe me, nobody will call you a hero for turning down government largesse. I still pay more in tax than I get in direct benefits, and I'm sure absolutely certain that Christopher Luxon does too. Yes, Chris Luxon is hypocritical, but that's the price you pay for doing well in public life in New Zealand. If I was him, though, I wouldn't try to hide anything. Just admit that you own a few houses and a few cars, and while you're at it, tell them about the electric motor scooter you own, uh, just to you know, save the planet and all that. Luxon's problem is that he's trying way too hard to be liked by the news media. And here's a hint, Chris. They will never like you. And when, by the way, will News Hub report on Chris Hipkins' three houses or Willie Jackson's four? Um, is that the maximum number allowed? Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057 that's 2057 so get in touch with us now well i've read some stupid columns in my time but one on the herald yesterday by a guy called widamu doherty really takes the cake more disturbingly he is a phd a professor and head of Te Whare Wānanga, or what is called the Māori University. Wiramu Doherty is complaining about the system required for Māori to get on the Māori electoral roll. It's currently an opt-in arrangement, whereby you have to deliberately make the change to the Māori roll. He thinks it should be the other way around. In other words, he thinks all Māori should automatically go onto the Māori roll and then opt out if they wish. And how would you identify who goes on the Māori roll from the start, you ask? Well, according to Professor Doherty, you would be identified as Māori on your birth certificate and then automatically go on the Māori electoral roll. Uh, well, let's pick apart the stupidity and the ignorance of all that. For a start, uh, you are not identified as Māori on your birth certificate in this country. To my knowledge, there is no category for ethnicity on your birth certificate. Then to go on the electoral roll, you have to get off your chuff and register yourself as you approach your 18th birthday. When you first register, you make a choice. Māori role or general role. Then if you identify as Māori and want to change, you can pretty much do so at any time you want these days. 
Professor Doherty is just indulging in a good old bit of politicking because he wants more Māori on the Māori roll. Currently, only 51% of those who identify as Māori are on that roll. Maybe there is a reason for such a low number. So Widamu Doherty is either stupid or mischievous with this column. Sadly, I think it's the former. Uh, I like to think I'm never judgmental about other people's relationships. Well, not in public anyway. But I tell you what, I had to raise at least one eyebrow yesterday when I read about the so-called polyamorous relationship between a man and two women in Kumiu near Auckland. It's all fallen apart now, so they're squabbling over the property. And the Supreme Court has had to rule. What happened was that a man and a woman got married back in the 90s. Then a few years later, another woman arrived in the relationship and they all shared the same bed. And this went on for 15 years. The woman who came late to the relationship was a vet and she bought a house in the country where they all lived. But all good things come to an end and the so-called thruple uh, then went their separate ways, as in three separate ways. But because they had lived together in an intimate relationship for more than three years and there was no prenup or contracting out arrangement, the house became relationship property. Or did it? The question went all the way to the Supreme Court, whereby a majority of three to two, the court decided the $2 million house could be relationship property because inside, get this, inside the thruple relationship, there could be three couple relationships. Therefore, the property was liable under the Relationship Property Act. So now it goes back to the family court to sort out the shares of the house. Interestingly, the 3-2 split on this decision in the Supreme Court was three male in favour and two female against. But the big takeaway from all this, if you own a house and somebody else, maybe even another person after that too, if, uh, if another person comes to live in your house and sleeps in your bed, make sure you get your legal ducks in a row and get that contracting out arrangement or prenup signed very quickly. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. Now, some of your correspondence, which has come into inbox at realitycheck.radio or via text at 2057. This from Tony. Uh, what an outstanding talk about the life and times of this gentleman. This is in reference to our discussion, the interview last week with Bruce Powell, uh, the very sprightly 105-year-old from Glenfield on Auckland's North Shore. Uh, Tony continues, as a youngish 93-year-old person, his positive outlook and formula for beating the odds is a game changer and his plan for our own journeys is remarkable. Thanks, Peter and RCR for an enlightening interview. It's a pleasure, Tony. Glad you enjoyed it. Uh, this one comes from, it's, it's coming through our inbox. There's no signature on the end of it, uh, but it's in reference to some of the comments I've made about Joe Biden. Uh, Peter, the age of Biden is not at issue. The fact that he is mentally incompetent is the issue. Uh, yes, I wasn't going to say that. And a couple of comments about our music. Uh, Tar mate, I haven't heard stealin' for ages. Cheers, guys. Thank you for that. That's from Mark and Debbie. And uh, this one says, 
God, you guys play more variety of tunes than MediaWorks and NZME put together. Love it and love the talk. And finally, it's a pleasure. Uh, Paul Brennan's the man who gets all the credit for the music, by the way. Uh, and this from Glennis, just finally. Uh, absolutely delightful, great interview. Thoroughly enjoyed listening to this. Uh, Mr. Bruce Powell, just awesome. My auntie made it to 101.5 years and she had all her marbles too. Yes, I just think it's fantastic. You get so much inspiration from these uh, people who live to a great old age and who are totally compass mentors. It's just uh, wonderful hearing their reminiscences about years gone by. Oh, and just one other quick one uh, through the Facebook uh, message from Melissa Laby, uh, our ice skater in the Netherlands who has just messaged to say thank you for sharing my story. Melissa, it was a pleasure to be able to do that. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. What a fiasco at the Wellington City Council, eh? The Green Party ideologues wanted to reduce the speed limit across the entire city by 20 kilometres an hour. I mean, it's just an absurd idea that you should have to drive around quiet suburban streets at night at 30 kilometres an hour. But it was going to happen because, you know, there would be less accidents and it would reduce carbon emissions. The council had this benefit-cost ratio done and reckoned it would be to the great benefit of the city, except the data was incorrectly entered and the benefit was overestimated by $250 million, all because a council employee entered the wrong data. It took Tony Randall, this councillor experienced in analysis, to find the mistake. He did it by finding the wrong numbers, but he also relied on a hunch to question the entire move in the first place. Tony Randall said after the mistake was discovered, the actual analysis found what people instinctively believe anyway. Overall, that the Wellington streets are not that unsafe and reducing speed would not bring benefits of $250 million to the city. The staggering thing about this data is that according to the council's chief planning officer, the analysis had already been peer-reviewed. So now it's back to the drawing board where hopefully, hopefully some sanity about Wellington's speed limits can prevail. Gee, the government bribes were on full display a couple of days ago, weren't they? An extra $51 a week for paid parental leave. So the payment will now be in excess of $700 a week before tax. A nice little bonus for you if you're staying at home looking after the kids. Then the early childhood education expansion to take in two-year-olds was expanded to beyond 20 hours a week so that the childcare centres could operate on at least a break-even level. All this extra funding, which is of course borrowed money, is designed to attract the young parents' vote, a sector of society which Labour have identified as a key to getting back onto the government benches. But as was pointed out later on, uh, on that same day that those uh, increases were announced, the price of petrol goes up 29 cents a litre. On Saturday week, that's when the 25 cents a litre fuel excise tax, which has been off since March of last year to ease the cost of living burden, goes back on with GST. So this move to ease the cost of living for some potential Labour voters comes at a cost 
To those who need to use their vehicles often, like those in the rural areas and the outer suburbs and those who do shift work and therefore can't use public transport in the middle of the night. From Saturday week, July the 1st, the price of a, uh, the price of a 50 litre fill-up at the petrol station increases by $14.50. All of it tax. Charming, isn't it? And the government reckons they're doing their best to get inflation under control. I'll give you this for free. They're not. You're listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. This is Reality Check Radio. It's the Peter Williams Afternoon Show. And, you know, at my advanced age, I'm more than partial to a bit of a nap some afternoons. To be honest, I've done it for years. It's one of life's pleasures when you have no other commitments. So I was most intrigued to read in the Times of London yesterday that taking a regular siesta could stop your brain shrinking later in life. Apparently, middle-aged people who are predisposed to napping have larger brains, indicating better brain health. This is compared to those who don't nap in the afternoon. The difference was equivalent to between two and a half and six and a half years of ageing. About one in seven of those between the ages of 26 and, six, 26 and 64 uh, like to have a regular afternoon nap. If you're over the age of 65, uh, like I am, nearly a third of us doze off for a bit of an afternoon. Even short naps are very worth it. If you pop off for between 5 and 15 minutes, you get almost immediate benefits in cognitive performance and reduced sleepiness later on. If you sleep for longer, like more than half an hour though, you have a 41% higher risk of obesity, high blood pressure and diabetes, all of which is uh, interesting to read. I prefer the short naps. To be honest, I get a bit of grief uh, from the family chief executive, also known as my wife, about being a lazy sod some afternoons when I get horizontal. But now I have the evidence. I have the evidence and the data that I'm actually improving my brain while I nap. Our text machine is now live. Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057. That's 2057. So get in touch with us now. This is the Peter Williams Afternoon Show. Thank you for your company over the last few hours. I look forward to doing it again on Friday. Have a very pleasant Wednesday evening. You've been listening to Pete's Ponderings on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Remember, you can catch Pete's full show combining smooth sounds and candid commentary on everyday issues for Kiwis and the Peter Williams Afternoon Show on our live broadcasts 1pm Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays right here on RCR Reality Check Radio Our text machine is now live Send us your thoughts by texting your message to 2057 That's 2057 So get in touch with us now.